0: Everyone. Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business, and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca, and I'm Zao Wong, Head of
1: Content. In today's episode, Mecca Talks Making It with GoTo founder Zoe Foster Blake.
0: Today, we're talking all about making it with two incredible women who have done just that.
1: But because our conversations with them were so good, we actually were meant to put them together, but now we're actually splitting them apart. The first one is with Zoe Foster-Blake and part two, which is coming out next week, is with Victoria Divine. They were both such amazing conversations. We wanted everyone to get the most out of it.
0: Yeah, I love that. But I think both Zoe and Victoria have got such epic stories of success as well, both entirely different. Um, but really inspirational for anybody listening.
1: Exactly. So you've got Zoe, who's you know had an amazing career in media, you know just casually writes some books on the side, starts up a beauty line that's done incredibly well, and so she's got such a creative force. She's such a creative vision. And then you've got Victoria, on the other hand, as a financial advisor who really gives us like nuts and bolts of like how to do it, how to get started. So I think it's so great to listen to those episodes together.
0: Victoria was just so smart and just like on it. And I just thought I took so much away from our conversation with her, um, just on being really smart with your money and actually, you know, financial literacy being part of um, every woman's career as well. It's not just to put, you know, spend the money you get. It's like make smart investments, do all this very, very good stuff with your money so that you're set up for the future. Exactly what's been your top career or life advice that you've received Kate ever ever okay ever is like a big one like what's what's you know a couple of the top ones life advice okay so when I was one of the things I'd say um this is when back when I was working in fashion magazines um and my boss at the time who's the editor-in-chief Lorraine Candy um, who's a great friend of mine um and she's got four children and I remember her saying to me and she's like a total sort of badass career woman as well mm-hmm and um she sort of said to me you know what go for it with your career and give everything to it but never ever hold back from the fact that you want to have children. And that was a really good piece of advice to me because I think I was so focused on just working, working, working. And I was like, no, you're right. Why can't we have balance? Why can't we be a mum and have a career? So she actually really sort of helped inspire me to kind of get that balance right. And I just think that, you know, it just proves that you can have a career, you can balance it. You know, all my employees, employers were so so supportive of um, having children and I think that is one of the things that as women we should never ever be held back by the fact we want to have families or not have families but we should be able to make those choices that shouldn't hold us back from a career
1: yeah I think that's a great thing to live by my mom just said to like save money and like you know (laughs) have a piggy bank but no it's like I'm being glib but I think when I turned 18 she was like right have a bank account, put money in it, watch it grow, invest in shares. You know, you always should be financially independent, whatever you're like, you know, never rely on your partner, make sure you can do it yourself.
0: Yeah. So Zara, you said that Zoe and her husband Hamish are like sort of Australia's family. Well,
1: I mean, I think coming, I mean, having worked in media, Zoe was such like a force to be reckoned with and everyone really looked up to her and she's had such phenomenal career on her own. And then she goes and marries like Hamish Blake who everyone knows as well he's on radio he's on tv so they're such a power couple but i also love how separately they have their own amazing careers
0: yeah and they're both super like family orientated aren't they and just really humble with it as well and i i you know i just love her stories of saying that no matter what they did together as a couple um, or or independently as well with their careers, whether it was writing children's books about farts, whether it was about being on a show about Lego and for, for a a, basically sort of beauty mogul, which is what she is now. um, And she's had phenomenal success with GoTo, and it's one of our best brands at Mecca. um, It is quite lovely to hear that real sort of real life sense of we're just we're just a family having fun being creative trying new things and and actually that's really inspiring as well because it doesn't feel so far removed from anyone else's life
1: yeah exactly and i think i loved i loved how she started go to from such an authentic place where she just wanted to tell stories connect with people and create really really great beauty products and on that note let's get zoe in
0: So thank you so much, Zoe, for joining us today. We are so excited to have you here on Mecca Talks. Hi, Kate. Today, one of the big topics for us to discuss is really all about making it. And we want to get to the, really into the heart of your career, your background, and you've had an, an amazing kind of career trajectory over the years. But yeah, should we start? like at the beginning where how did you get into this where did you start was it all you know you wanted to be a journalist or and you're an author where did you start oh yes I did want to be a journalist
2: I did my BA of media and comm at UNSW and when I finished pretty much applied for any magazine job going and I'm talking wine magazines fishing magazines and I eventually got a job at what, I mean, and this is in the newspapers section, like that's how long ago this was in like yeah. night, oh, maybe 2001.
0: Do you know I did exactly the same? That's sorry. The reason yeah. I'm laughing is I, I applied to like car magazines. I applied yeah. to, I mean, any type of publication for me. I was yeah. like, yeah, no, I'll do anything. But it's good. And like, I don't think people know how competitive it was
1: back then. Like it yeah. was really hard to get in. It's probably hard now as well. Yeah.
2: And different because, I mean, now it's more reliant on a following. Back then you just had to have a degree or a CV or something. But anyway, long story short, I did get a job at a kids' magazine called Mania and stayed there um, at a small publishing house, which was an excellent way to cut my teeth. I was only 21 and um, sort of was a deputy editor that did all the roles. And then from there I moved on to Smash Hits, which was another s- pretty small publishing house. And then moved into ACP, which is the Hallowed Halls. And that was for Cosmo when I was 23 as beauty beauty and lifestyle editor, director, one of the two.
1: And what was it like? To, how do you feel like when you landed as beauty editor? I <laughs>
2: didn't know that that job existed, honestly, because I had originally applied for a job at Dolly magazine and Mia Friedman was across the two of them. And I didn't get that job because I was hideously underqualified. But she kept me in her mind and then when the beauty editor job came up at Cosmo, um, she called me up. But I think part of the charm, and I'm using bunny is is that I didn't know anything about beauty and I could very much put myself in the shoes of the reader and the consumer and go, what is a highlighter? How do we use this? Why should we use it? And I think that curiosity about beauty um, and getting on the level with the reader was um, fun and interesting, and quite novel at
0: the time. I used to be so envious of all the beauty editors. I was more on the kind of fashion <laughs> features side because you would go on these incredible kind of press trips, and it was just like a completely different world. It seemed to you know the fashion journalism side, and um, yeah. yeah, I was always super sort of intrigued by what happened on <laughs> all these trips that you'd go on spa trips and all the rest oh. of it.
2: Bonkers job. Like, but the original influences, right? But yeah. we, we didn't have to share anything on social media. We just got to go on these trips. And from day one, it was like we were flown to Byron Bay for lunch for, yeah. for a brand. And things like that were completely normal. Um, And it was so bizarre and surreal that I, I started writing my first novel, Air Kisses, back then because I was like, hang on, why is fashion getting all the movies and the TV shows and the books Beauty is bonkers. Do you guys even know what's happening here? Like, we get sent free stuff to play with all day. We can literally sit at our desk and paint our nails and
1: not get into trouble because that's work. And yes. how do you fish in, in writing a book on top of working?
2: Uh, I just did weekends. I mean, I was young. I was in my early 20s. I had a boyfriend who was always away, so I had the whole weekend free, and I just wrote. And I had a – you know, then I started blogging in 2006. Like, I just had so much output. I just was – Thrilled with beauty and writing, and just <laughs> couldn't do enough of it. I really just kept going.
1: <laughs> did you always want to be in beauty? No,
2: I didn't. I like I said, I honestly, legitimately did not know what a beauty editor was when I got that job. And um, the beauty pages were always interesting, but I more preferred to like just look at the glossy editorial shoots and imagine, you know, the the romance that goes with that. But then the when storytelling I, part exactly, and and then when I got into beauty, I was like, oh my god this is made up. No one would believe that this job exists um, because it's bonkers that you just get to try on every skincare product in the world, every makeup, get your hair and makeup and face done by the best <laughs> in the business. Like it's, it's ridiculous. So an, an absolute joy of a job,
0: really was. And so what, okay, so you started, you were doing your beauty journalism and then you were writing your books. And as an author and you went down, tell me a little bit about that because I think that's so, I've always wanted to, you know write a book and I've never written a book because life's got in the way but where did you get the inspiration for that book?
2: That was being a beauty editor so air kisses was very badly and thinly veiled Um, you know you always write your first book about what you know and and it was about a beauty editor because I just thought this life is exciting and interesting and flashy and cool and and this was back in like 2006 or 7 so it was not beauty wasn't the big player that it is now it was sort of a a, a job that existed and a lifestyle that was incredible for the beauty editors but you know there weren't beauty influencers there weren't these mm. huge celebrity brands it was very different back then so we kind of it was a bit of a secret I guess and I felt like writing about
0: it was um, overdue. And then when was the next book after that was it like a sort of avalanche of book writing it was like <laughs> Jilly Cooper? Yeah <laughs> not quite
2: but yeah I Well, I just – I didn't have kids back then. I didn't – you know, I could just write freely and and I loved it. And I always said that books were my friends, which is such a loser thing to say. But it's like I had such a hyper-social life through the week. I was going to sometimes 10 functions a day with this awesome pack of women. And my whole life was super, super social. So on the weekends, I was very happy to just be an introvert and write books and lose myself in that. So it was a great balance. And then there was blogging in the mornings before work because – you know, I just had, I remember, I distinctly remember going into Cosmo going, guys, we need a blog. (laughs) (laughs) What's a blog? And I'm like, back then it had to go through anonymous and windows and all of this tricky stuff. Oh, yes. So I just went, I went rogue and did it um, sort of uh, anonymously um, just because I wanted to write about beauty more than I could fit into the four or five pages that were in the mag every month.
1: And what's crazy is that we're here to talk to you about GoTo, which we, of course, are obsessed with at Becca, but we haven't even got to GoTo yet. (laughs) And you were an author, a blogger, a beauty editor, and so, I mean, so many other things. How did you, you know, tackle it all, manage it all, then also add GoTo on top?
2: Well, that, so different times, I think. And and so from, from Cosmo, I went on to Harper's, and that was a very different world. You know, it was prestige and premium and luxury, and it was... You know, because at Cosmo it was all brands, but largely legacy and supermarket. Um, so I had both ends of the spectrum under my belt at that point, and then I was offered a job to head up Print, which was Australia's first sort of sole beauty portal. And this just allowed me to basically do my blog, Fruity Beauty, with infrastructure and staff, and like a real focus on beauty. And I think that was two thousand and seven or eight when beauty was starting to become more of a digital player and um, you know, Fashion Week, Mac, were like, we're on Twitter. I'm like, what's, tw- what's Twitter?
1: <laughs> what is Twitter?
2: I uh, must find out. Um, so it was formative. It was a formative time of social media and digital, and it was great to be part of that. Um, and then so from Prune to I was just started to go back, you know, when I wasn't an editor-at-large anymore and, and, and blog, and I was still writing the books. But GoTo didn't start until the idea wasn't conceptualised until the end of 2012 or 13, start of 13. When I was no longer working full time, I was just blogging and writing books. So very different time pressures on me at that point.
0: And what was the inspiration? Because you've had such phenomenal success. And Zara was talking just earlier before you joined the call about when we launched GoTo at Mecca and it was so popular that staff weren't allowed to buy it for like three (laughs) months because the customers had to have first access, of course. And I think that, you know, that's quite an amazing impact to have for the brand totally new
2: well thank you anna I, I put that down to the loyalty that we'd built in the d2c space for so many years and so many of the women who came in to go to from the get-go were had already been following my blogs or i also wrote a beauty book called amazing face and that was a large just you know now another yeah. beauty book on the side <laughs> but it was a, it was accumulation of all my best beauty blogs and tips which actually you know it was a lot of work but it's a compilation let's be honest um but the questions that came from that and they were all skincare based and that's kind of what sort of led to leading into the brand and so I'm I'm so thrilled it was such a success in go-to in Mecca because we built up this great moment digitally and then there's so many women who just wanted to enjoy it in store and what better environment than Mecca who prides themselves on education and really holding their customers hands and talking them through and explaining everything and education is a huge pillar for us you know being a beauty editor and coming into teaching women about skincare it's definitely one of our main points of difference is making you feel like you're getting an education not just a product
1: i love how you've explained your journey and career because it makes it so clear that it moves from one spot to the next and go to came from answering people's questions from the book Mm -hmm. and it's yeah it's come from a real need like you said totally and i also saw the gap between well, basically, it was a brand, to, no
2: disrespect to beauty writers and it is, but to take that middleman out and just make the product and the the branding and the copy and everything so accessible and mm-hmm. so layman's and foolproof and trustworthy and reliable that the consumer, even someone who's, very, who's a novice or not that into skincare, feel very confident and competent buying and using that product because that's what I wanted. I wanted women to feel confident using skincare. I knew that they were com- confused and confounded and intimidated by the whole category, and I thought i reckon i can help here
0: i reckon i can yeah so looking at some of this product which i love the kind of tone of voice on it so we've got the very useful face cream we've got much brighter skin which is the new Vitamin c treatment which is gorgeous we have um the go-to face hero which is your face oil and you've got fancy face which is the nourishing oil cleanser. Mm. And I think what I love about this is it's funny, it kind of draws you in, you think, ah, yeah, no, I understand what that is, right? This isn't something so complicated that it's just going to blow my mind. And how involved are you on all of that branding and all of those kind of elements? Are you super, super into the detail? Or have you got a crack team around you that are able to put it all together? I've got
2: both. I'm very lucky. So as CCO and founder, I'm very much driving the tone and the brand. And that's always been my sweet spot in my wheelhouse. And that's what I love to do. And you know, teaching the girls how to write and to get that tone right. And they're brilliant at it. I've had my hands off the wheel for a long time in that sense. But with new product development, that will be something that I think is missing, either from uh our our range but more so something that I'm using. I'm like, gee, we could do a really good go-to version mm-hmm. of that because I would take that out and I would add that. I guess in respect to the much brighter skin, I was like, why are all these vitamin C's why do they have AHAs in them? That makes no sense to me. But I just wanted a pure brightening serum. Um inhibit melanin production as well as protect from free radical damage. So I was like I think we can do a version of this that would speak to those customers who've been curious about vitamin C but perhaps a little confused and didn't know what to do so thank you for saying you understand it quickly because that is very much the point of it but then i of course have this incredible team who you know create all of the beautiful campaigns and marketing executions and really run with it and i'm so secure in their um, protectiveness and and love for the brand and the passion and it's it's beautiful
1: what i love about the vitamin c as well is that usually a lot of vitamin c serums don't have the best texture or the best smell i know and this is like such a joy to put on (laughs) Thank you, You Zara. It doesn't feel like a vitamin C, but it does all the things that a vitamin C serum should do.
2: Of course. And so we sat there, you know, my marketing CMO and my my NPD team, and I was like, it cannot Mm -hmm. smell like a hot dog. It has to smell like a garden. And it's got to feel very elegant because I think that's what lets a lot of C... Even the best ones, the most popular ones, they... And not pleasant to use. And so people suffer f- through that for the efficacy. But I feel like, why can't you have both? And you can.
1: I also really want to talk about Face Hero, because that is such a bestseller at Mecca. And people like, honestly, I think everyone at Mecca has Face Hero in their cu- cupboard. <laughs> can you tell us a bit about Face Hero and how you called it and how, you came, how it came to be? I'd love to. So, uh, again, like so many of our products, it was something that I was using a version of for a long time
2: and had learned about its efficacy in the ingredient through my beauty editor life. Um, But my, my version of that was rosehip oil. But, again, similar to the vitamin C, so many rosehip oils smell gross or they oxidize really quickly and they become unstable and they no longer benefit to the skin. So I was like, how can we make a face oil that is that but, like, on Red Bull, like really powerful and potent, have a lot of supportive antioxidants and vitamin E. And so we, with our brilliant formulator, we work together to get 10 oils that all complement each other and really work on the nourishment side and the antioxidant side, but also very calming. And we've earned a bit of a reputation as doing really beautiful, nurturing, calming skin care and we always like to say we're the mm. brand that if your skin is pissed off, come to go to because Face here in particular, like if you've gone and had microneedling or you're using your high strengths or you've been in the sun, you just go, ah and it really, really soothes the skin, and so that anti-inflammatory benefit and that calming and soothing is a huge pillar Oof. for us through everything we do as well. Even the vitamin C, which are, classically they're quite can be quite irritating. And
0: would you say your brand then is, um, you know, really it's for everyone. It's not for just the teenager. It can be yeah. for the older lady with rosacea. It can be for everybody. So it's a really yeah. universal skincare brand.
2: Absolutely. And and Face Hero is the best version of that. It's our gateway product. You know, we've got teens with acne using it. We've got my mum, mm-hmm. who's 75, who drenches herself in it and everyone in between because it hits differently for everyone. For me, I love the glow and the antioxidants. For other people, it's a salve. You know, I was using it on my babies before we, we started making our baby in children's range because it's just so nourishing and so healing. So, And people with scars, you know, they love Face Hero to heal that it's a it's a it's a hero <laughs> it's legit a hero
0: and you say so you've got go to and you've also got bro to as well which has recently launched Yay. and we've obviously well, we've launched that on mecca as well tell us a bit about how that came together it started as a joke actually um which is not <laughs> probably the best way to
2: start a brand but we, we knew that uh, this is back in 2016 so before the men's category started to heat up i guess and um, the men's category that were out there were super hyper-masculine and they were all like called Blizzard and Blast and, you know, it was, you know it, was, it, was, it was ridiculous so we knew a lot of guys were using GoTo but they wouldn't purchase it because the colour wasn't they didn't like it so we made you know the, the cleanser first and we, we made a lot of jokes about how it was made from T-Rex blood and all of these things that at that time we thought were hilarious because it was a marketing prank for, for sort of Father's Day then it accidentally went really well, and we're like, oh, shit. Um, so <laughs> then we did we did the Broti Face Hero and the Broti Very Useful Face Cream, and it took on a life of its own, and it wasn't until last year we had the bandwidth and the people to be able to go, it needs its own branding, it needs its own love, and it needs to be a considered thoughtful range because it does do well, there are a lot of people out there using it, and we need to treat it like we do every other product and brand within the stable. So we redesigned, we relaunched, and... It's great. It's it's over ten percent of our business, and I think, and I'm sure you're in the same boat. How do we talk to men directly about skincare? Not sure yet, but we do have a lot of go to customers who then buy a Bro to for the people in their life.
0: Yeah, like Kate, does your son use it? Yeah, so my yeah, he's nearly fourteen, um, and he he does use it. He uses that, and he's been also using um, the Mecca Max Skin as well but my girls absolutely love the go-to product as well so yeah i mean we all use it i think it's it's kind of you know i love that when we can all jump in and we can all sort of share around what we've got as well <laughs> and that's the thing people are like why don't you do a teen range or a tween range i'm like because they don't want a range that talks to
2: them they want to use what the grown-ups use and also the same mm. they need the same things they need salicylic acid they need ahas if they're breaking out they need nourishment they need antioxidants they need spf I don't believe like it's all skin for everyone and sure we can market a beautiful range to them but ultimately they can definitely just use bro to and go to
0: and what is next Zoe what have you are you going to do <laughs> perfume are you going to do I have so much left to do in skin I mean it's
2: it's crazy we've had a bit of a bottleneck in our new product development but that's about to unleash and I'm so excited to, to share that with Mecca when we can but that that bottleneck is, is about to, and, and specifically talking to skin types, um, mm-hmm. because even though our products are quite universal, there are certain skin types we haven't classically spoken to yet, and I'm, I'm really excited to bring them into the family and the fold. Uh, obviously, SPF it's a big one. <laughs> That's a real beast. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love, it. my favorite thing to do is jump online to make or go in store and buy makeup and hair stuff because I think those guys are doing it great. I have no desire to to jump into that world or perfume. I think there are people doing a great job.
0: (laughs) So you want to keep it core, keep it skin and just keep sort of playing around with all different categories within there as well. Well, for
2: now, because I've still so much left to do, I'm sure there'll come a point where I'm like, oh, you know, what would make sense would be, you know, a leave-in conditioner or something. But for right now, I think Drunk Elephant did that beautifully. I think that was a a really obvious and meaningful segue into hair. And um, it can be done, certainly. But, oh, too much to do before that.
1: (laughs) You've been in beauty for so long and you've been, you know, you've done so much in it. And so you're kind of like a good bellwether for what beauty is coming up next, like, How do you see the industry changing? How do you think it has changed since you got into it?
2: Oh, it's changed enormously, Zara. Like, I think you ladies would know it's it's a different beast to even when we launched. When we launched, I was talking to people who were confused and intimidated, mostly in a counter environment, like going into a department store and feeling bamboozled or, you know, a chemist. Now I think, you know, what we've got is more noise and more confusion. And part of that I love because there's no barrier to entry. Anyone can start a brand... There are some incredible brands that pop up out of nowhere with specialty products that I'm certainly buying and I think a lot of other people are and they're doing a fantastic job of it. But <clears throat> the noise and the overwhelm of the category I think is, is tricky for customers. Add to that this new um, angle of, you know, chemist obsession and everyone knows the ingredients and they know what they're putting in their face and their skin and they're really informed, which is fabulous because I love the transparency and the accountability that's coming from both sides on that plot. But I think that adds even more confusion because if you can't, like if you've got all of these brands offering and then you're trying to match the ingredients as well, I think... I think that's you know that's a tricky situation that's when education is incredibly important from retailers and from brands
0: yeah and when do, and do you where do you get your energy from to keep it going as well coffee mostly coffee, coffee.
2: <laughs> yeah. i change all the time but at the moment i mean we bought a coffee machine last lockdown we're not fools we're like we need a lot of this stuff so i make it myself i just have a macchiato usually or a piccolo Dep- How many do you have a day? Uh, I'm three at the
1: moment. I've, I've been edging four, Ooh. but it's... it's a l- That's not too bad. I used to be one. I've heard, I've heard worse. I know, but I used to be a one. <laughs> it's like the small joys in life and lockdown. Oh, no, but
2: then my children came and then I was two and now I'm three because work so intense. <laughs> yeah. But I, I honestly, I couldn't think of a better job. Like if you told me that I would get to create products that I wished existed in the world and then have people love them and use them and have a genuine difference in their skin. I, I, I'm still painting myself. It's beautiful.
0: And Zoe, I think it's such an um, inspiring kind of way to look at it as well, that you're inspired and you're excited about really doing something differently. Mm. How would you um, sort of encourage women and men or, you know, students or whoever to actually follow their dreams and do something they believe in? Because I think the fact that you went for it and made it is is a super huge success story, and I'm sure people are desperate to understand how to get the confidence to do it themselves.
2: That's very generous of you. Thank you. I, I, think, um, I think I've always said that finding a gap or noticing an area that there's something lacking. I used to remember mixing my fake tan with my body lotion and, and making my own gradual tanner before that existed. And then I remember Johnson & Johnson came out with the first gradual channel. I'm like, damn it, I was doing that. And I think if you look around, I think that's why there's so many entrepreneurs who are um, parents because they're in that world of new babies and all the confusion and the tech that comes with that and they start hacking and making their own things and then that becomes a business idea because they noticed something wasn't working or lacking and that's definitely what I tried to do with GoTo so I would say look for gaps things that you think could make a difference and could make things easier and and better for people would be the obvious one I also think that specificity is really key at a time when there is so much out there, so much choice. Like we can buy something from Denmark in 10 minutes and have it on our doorstep in a few days. You have to be really good at something and we started off with a very tight range for that point. But of course, as you grow and people want more from you, you expand those skews out. But if you are just going to be, you know, the the, the nude, um, you know, the 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 simple, clear, polished girl, be be that, you know, if you're going to just do chocolate cakes, do that. Like, don't be afraid to be incredibly specific about what you want to do. Um, and I think they're the success stories is often when someone is really laser focused and single minded on something. And of course, it grows out from there and it evolves and changes. But Don't think that you have to launch with a whole
0: thing. Just start with one. But how did you start? Because did you wake up? That's the bit that I'm like, no, I'm with you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I'm like, but how do you actually say, I'm going to do this? Tomorrow I'm going to launch a beauty brand and it's going to be game changing. (laughs) Well, that's your friends, your connections. I
2: had a friend who's a founder of a beautiful skincare brand, Megan from Sadashi, and she connected me with her formulator that was a real moment because then he said, what do you want in your face cream? And I was like, oh, I'm actually writing a list. This exists now. It's not just an idea in my head. It's on paper and it exists. And that brief came to life. What I say to some people who are starting out a business idea, I'm like, get a sample. If you're making say a pencil case, get on Alibaba and get a sample. It will be terrible. But then you know what you don't want and you can refine. I feel like having a actual 3d solid thing in mm-hmm. your hand is a big big difference um because then you can start the process but if it's all just in your head or even on a soft copy word document it doesn't exist yet you have to have something that exists mm-hmm. <laughs> and and i think that's often the turning point for a lot of brands so did people. that
0: is that the bit that came first the product came first before the brand or the brand had you had you dreamt, you dreamt yeah. the brand up and then came well, up no. with the formulations or so you came up with the formulations and no
2: yeah, no, the, the formulations. I was like, okay, if I was to do a skincare brand, what would I make and what would I do and what would what would be in them? So I'm like, okay, it's got to be full of antioxidants or I want to have a, an AHA but I want it to be lactic so it's gentle and hydrating. And So those briefs existed and then I was like, shit, what's the name? What's the name? Um, and I found myself using the term go-to so often, so organically. Like it has to be her go-to moisturizer, right? It's mm-hmm. the one that she turns to. It's the one that she goes to and she doesn't think twice. Like if she's traveling or she's got young mm-hmm. children – And that's how it arrived. It was just the best way I could sum up what those products were intended to do
1: and be. Looking back, I mean, there's so many highs of go-tos, but when was there a time when it was a little bit harder and how do you overcome that? Many times, I mean, I I think one of them
2: was um, I got you know, we'd been courted many times over the years starting out, you know, we want to stock you all around the world. But when US were like, we want to stock you, I had a five day old baby and I made a decision. Don't make a decision when you've got a five day old baby. It's a really silly thing to do. So making the, you know, big decisions about retailers and about international markets, uh, I would do differently. It's a really big move and it needs to be really considered and you know obviously when we went into mecca in australia it was the perfect time we loved the team it was the right time for the brand we had a ready-made loyal fan base and it was gorgeous and it continues to be so but um you know we just weren't ready and i think it was my ego if i'm honest like i think some of the moves are just like oh my god we were picked
0: that's not a reason to (laughs) do it don't do it just because you got selected make sure it's the right reason at the right time that is a great piece of advice and so the idea being jump into your passion and it can kind of come together in the way it needs to right it doesn't have to be fully thought out from the beginning you can try it first before you make that full commitment um you should you must (laughs) you will make mistakes and where do you get that inspiration from? Is it from um, what you read or your your sort of the beauty publications out there or is it from customers or what is it? How do you know which product you need to do next? I think um,
2: it's a, probably a mix of a few things. I think in that classic sort of... Um, you know, driven founder slash narcissist who's making things that she wishes exists, that's still a part of it. But as we expand bigger and wider and we're catering to skin types that I don't have or age groups, you know, then it's really important that I've got this great team around me who are like, oh, you know, the customers have been asking for this and would we ever do one? That said, you know, customer demand is, I wouldn't say our chief driver, like they all want an eye cream, but I won't make one because I don't believe in eye creams. And I think that that's an important distinction is going... Okay, everyone wants one, and I know they would. It would do well, and people there. There's a big category dedicated to eye creams, but I can't hand on heart say I use them and believe in them. So it won't happen. Maybe a serum, maybe a mask. I don't know, something to do with the eyes, but not an eye cream. Um,
1: <laughs> that's such
2: a stance. I love. It. It's like such a stance. Yeah, but I think that adds to the credibility because we're just mm. not going to put out shit that to sell if we don't believe in it. And and while I'm still involved, you know, that's that's not going to happen because it's got to be. I always think of the Instagram post when we're launching a product and seeing it in store in Mecca and going, how does this look? How does this go? Do people go, that makes sense for to Is that the right product? You know, do I want to use that? And I think, yeah, that's got to be something I really believe in.
1: So thinking back to a young Zoe living in regional Australia, <laughs> did she would she have ever imagined she would have, have a, had a beauty brand now?
2: <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, my mum was, you know, I think your mum is, and your sisters, whatever women you have around men that are interested in beauty and skincare are probably your role models when you're a kid. And mum was like Rosie Boyle and she had a Helena Rubinstein palette and maybe a Revlon lipstick and some Nase <laughs> and that was her that was it that was she was very she was a minimalist and so I I didn't get it from her my sister was a punk literally so she had like a shaved head and a Mohawk, and it wasn't getting it from her so I think that's kind of why I wrote amazing face because I kind of picked up so much of my beauty information from girls in the toilet at school like what are you doing oh yeah eyeliner why how and terrible way to learn so I was like you got to get that education piece right early on and and I you know even going to my interview for the job at Cosmo I was wearing like a shimmery cover girl minty green color it was the only eyeshadow it was, palette I had. It was a I look had. at the time. <laughs> oh well was it I don't even know I can't even say that bit for sure but I just I had no idea what I was doing and I'd got to 23 with no clue and I was like I
1: reckon I
2: could have started a bit earlier so no, no idea. No idea that I would have had a beauty brand.
1: No. And this episode is called Making It. And of course, we had to have you on it because your career is something that we all admire. I think I know especially a lot of girls in media really look up to you and think, you know, she's really like evolved from it. What does making it mean to you? And when do you think you made it? <laughs> There's lots um, of questions in that one.
2: <laughs> no, I think, um, I think if, if making it sort of slash success is for me, I think it's, or it's the ongoing um, feedback from people using the things that you're making, and you're trying so hard to make the right thing. And I, I always do take very seriously that. Um, that ask. I'm asking women for money and men for money, and I'm asking for them to put something on their face, and that's two big things I'm asking for them. So, I take that very, very heavily, and I think that when you get that um, proven and numerical, like we see the numbers we're doing, particularly with Transformazing, which sells like one a minute, and Face Hero, I'm like, it's working. You know that that vindication is is beautiful, and so I feel that success for me is the um, ability to keep doing more of it. To me, making it means you get to do it again, and and that's the absolute privilege of having customers who love the product, and you know an ex- exceptional team who help me get this done every day. That's that's it for me.
0: And what do your children think about it? Do they think, oh, mom's just up there doing her thing? Nothing. Or they, are they impressed? <laughs> <laughs> most unimpressed. I mean we have the kids range
2: and that doesn't even impress. I write books for kids about farts. My husband hosts a Lego show. We've been on Bluey, we've done everything and we're still not cool. Like we just
0: can't crack them oh, no, that is so funny. Um, but, but isn't that so true? with your with children? It's your parents just embarrass you. That's what they're there for.
2: Oh <laughs> we, we are so embarrassing to them and every time I try and choose my book for bedtime it's like oh not that one again so I'm um no I mean maybe one day they'll care I mean my my they love using the products and playing with them but I don't don't think they really get it and I'm a multi-discipline that's very confusing for them they're like but you write books why are you doing creams
1: It doesn't
0: make sense (laughs) and so you've gone from writing um you know sort of stories about beauty industry and then children's books as well did you say about bots? (laughs) Yes, f- farts. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, perfect. That... And then <laughs> <laughs> and your beauty your beauty brand, like which is the one that really really gets you? Is it all of them together or it's is, all do you of love them, yeah. is it the children's books about farts that you enjoy most? I mean,
2: they are a true joy because they're um you get to work with an illustrator and it's, you know, it's a 50-50 job where the words really come to life when the illustrations exist and I love the process of that. But I think I just like writing and I just like connecting and I think I've often said that I often think I might have created a go-to just to be able to write and and create a a, a way to connect with women beyond being a beauty editor so so much of our brand is about copy too much some would say like the whole experience is copy 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 fun fun words 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 Um, and I just love connecting with people and I like making things fun that have no right to be like barcodes or confirmation emails so I just think I'm a, a, a writer who accidentally had a brand just to...
1: But that makes so much sense. And especially when you see your brand, and you see the products, you use the products, it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just a, a, a crazy writer who wanted
1: to be an advertising copywriter, so she made a brand <laughs> so she could do it. <laughs> so I feel like we can talk to you forever, but yeah. we've got a quick fire round of questions that we'd love to ask you as well. Yeah, sure. Should we get
0: started, Kate? Yeah, let's do it, Sarah. Okay, so I'll start. Zoe, what time do you wake up and what is the first thing you do in the morning other than read your children a fart book?
2: Oh, there's no reading in the morning. They're usually screaming at each other by, you know, about 6.30. Um, I scrape my tongue. I, oh. I brush my teeth and scrape my tongue. And it is so gross slash satisfying, but I can't believe people don't do it. It's so important to get all that back I to I actually it. do
1: that as well. Yes. <laughs> don't you think it's gross that people don't do it? yeah and when you and then once you start you really like can't stop thinking you about can't. how people don't do it yes and you're like what you're just
2: going around your day with all that on your th- that's disgusting I'm, yes. i so, don't yeah. do
0: it i'm i'm slightly <gasps> like um freaked out by this whole thing do you actually have like a tongue scraping tool or yeah do you, you just get use-
2: a stainless steel tongue scraper from <laughs> the chemist i actually learned about it when i learned meditation because it's an ayurvedic practice. So it's getting rid of all the bacteria and the build-up over the night um but I think it's funny that people think we're gross, Zara, but we think they're gross. So it's like,
1: well, I actually, I've never actually told anyone outside of this. <laughs> oh no, so it's that kind tells you how,
0: like, I understand that people think it's kind of weird. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that does say a lot,
0: actually. You get to the secret. Sure. It is quite weird, especially when you do go to like a naturopath and they want to see your tongue yeah. not scraped. So actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've always had the belief that that is just a sign of your how healthy you are, If whatever sort of if it's cracked or.
2: That's true, mm. but there's a lot of buildup overnight if you're, yeah, a, okay. if you're not right. a mouth breather. Yeah.
0: I'm going to invest in one of those. What? Do you say
1: what time you wake up? Uh, it's the kids, the kids that wake us up. It's about six thirty, seven. 7, yeah. Okay. Um, what time do you go to bed and what is the last thing you do at night? Um,
2: oh, I do my full skincare, obviously both ends. But um, the last thing I do is honestly put my phone on charge on the other side of the room and I read. I'm a voracious reader and I only read at night, so I read for about half an hour before I, I'm
1: lights out. What book are you reading at the moment? The title is tricky one second (laughs)
2: oh it's not here um one that i it's oh it's a really tricky title but i just finished sorry i just finished animal by lisa Tadeo, and it is full on that is bonkers that book so i mean it comes with about a million trigger warnings but it was a phenomenal piece of work
1: i'm a bit yeah i'm a bit scared of reading that but i read three women yeah which I like well, this is fiction but, um, so yeah. she's
2: got no holds barred and it's it's like an anti-heroine sort of it's a lot of violence and it's yeah, it's pretty it's a lot it's a lot before bed I gotta
0: say <laughs> I can't so wait to read these days I'm just always knackered so mm. I get into bed and I'm like done within like three seconds it's quite a skill yeah that's I can good. be mid-conversation <laughs> like know, like, it, that is a skill <laughs> people <laughs> pay good money to do that yeah I know it's quite a it's definitely a skill I didn't used to have it right it's not about me okay um which which go-to product are you and why oh boy uh oh there's no way to answer this without being obnoxious
2: because i want to talk up the product um i'm going to talk about much brighter skin because it's a new one and it doesn't really work with your analogy, but i'm going to talk about it anyway because it's bright mm-hmm. it's brightening it's in the morning it's setting the tone for the day it's um, it's a positive product. I think it's self care and it's looking after yourself. So I hope that with go to, I'm able to look after other people's skins, and then it can be a bright and joyful influence in
1: people's lives. See, I told you it would be obnoxious. So like it's it. nice, but not, not. It's still not that obnoxious. Could have gone <laughs> oh worse. God. What is your, what is your favorite, what is your favorite go to product, and what is a non go to beauty product that you put on to lift your spirits? Ooh. Um. Oh, look, I love them all. They're my children. But Face here is the one I really
2: panic about if I don't have, if I have to go get a new bottle from down in the depths. Um, so I use that one twice a day and all throughout. I just love it. Um, and a product that I love that is not is Santal 33. Even when I'm in lockdown, I still wear it because it makes me feel finished. Like I'm a person. Yeah. I'm not a slob. I love that. I love that scent. Yeah. Beautiful.
1: How do you, how do you discover Santal? Oh, uh, probably smelt
2: on about 400 other women and <laughs> put two and two together. I'm like, what are you all wearing? I want in on this. I'd like to say, like, I started the trend, but I really didn't. I'm a follower.
0: <laughs> I had the same. I remember going um, to um, the apartment by the line in New York oh. and they, had a, they were burning a candle and it was that scent, and I was literally like, what is that smell? What is that smell? Beautiful. And um, I bought the candle, but I didn't know you could get it in a perfume, and then I walked past somebody, and she smelt of it, and I was like, grabbed her, and I was like, what is the smell? Yes. But it's quite – it has that – definitely has that effect. Do you guys still
2: stock uh, essential molecules? Yep, we have that as well. Yeah, i got to go back to that because that – I think when you get a lot of compliments on a fragrance, that's actually the best one Mm. for you, and that I always – loved and got compliments on so it must work with my friends
0: <laughs> yes okay so fashion wise because obviously beauty and fashion come together beautifully what fashion item is your current obsession and what's your favorite brand
2: oh goodness me i, I actually have um been buying a few this is amelia wickstead like a few beautiful spring dresses because i feel it's really important to not i'm just really done with active wear i'm done with my tracksuits. i want to you know, it's like after you've been pregnant, you yes. want to burn your maternity wear. That's I know That's sort that of opinion. how I feel. So I, I'm <laughs> buying beautiful tea dresses and um, little sandals for when we're allowed to be in the world. Um, but my, some of my favorite brands, um, that's always hard on the spot. I do gravitate towards Aussie brands like Zimmerman and Camilla Remark, and um, Basic. I love Acne. I um, love Sandro. But. Um, I'm a colour person. So whoever's going to give me colour, I'm interested.
1: So I love how on Instagram, sometimes you share your favourite recommendations, whether it's podcasts or books or Instagrams. What are you loving right now? Where are you getting inspiration from in the world of podcasts and Instagram and books? Um, I don't have a lot of time for podcasts because I feel like that was usually when
2: I would be commuting that I would do that because the kids are in the car. I'm a music obsessive. I create Spotify playlists and I I'm obsessed with that. I do it all day. Whenever I'm listening to something, I'm filing the music into a playlist. My greatest gift is to give those to people, so please look them up. They're for every mood and time of your day. Um, But I am like everybody else, just looking around for what's good. I mean, we all love White Lotus. I'm watching only murders in the building at the moment which is fun and a little bit of light relief but my husband and i like some weird comedy stuff as well like rick and morty and i think you should leave what do you mean by weird comedy stuff we like i think you should leave which is a great show on netflix and rick and morty so we like a palate cleanser at the end after watching like a heavy police mm. procedural like yeah. you know
1: line of duty or something yeah. <laughs> or the bureau we're like okay we need to <sighs> Clear out the... What do you think of White Lotus? I just finished it a few days I ago. I loved it.
2: What a show. It transformed... The ca- it's its own category. It's genre-defying genre and... Sorry. Genre-defying and excellent and funny and perfectly timed. I loved it. The music's so good.
0: Yes, the music's great. The casting. <laughs> just everything. Yeah. What is the... Um, okay, so what is your favourite social media account to follow right now? Oh... Well, I'm renovating my home, so I'm in design world. I'm following a lot
2: of interior designers and ceramicists and artists, and I couldn't print one one in, in particular, but I... Oh, actually, the Future Perfect. So they they do a lot of um, really incredible art and cool chairs and just awesome rad stuff that I dream of.
0: <laughs> having a look at that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, all right, what is the last... So television shows we've talked about lockdown I think this is a really good one and very mm-hmm. pertinent timing so what is the one thing you've learned about yourself through lockdown other than the fact that you want to wear beautiful dresses and sandals <laughs> rather than sweats?
2: yeah I'm waiting for the Gatsby moment like all of us um I think I'm, I'm very grateful I think I've come out feeling grateful I, I I think like a lot of us I was a traveler I still try when I can Um, a traveller and a planner and I always like to have something to look forward to and I think when that's taken away from you it can be sad and you can feel flat and defeatist or you can go, you've got to make the joy in the moment and just get excited about what you're doing right now And so that's one part of it, also that I am an introvert, I will live and die an introvert and there's a lot of this to love which is that I don't have to be anywhere or do anything, (laughs) no kids football (laughs) on the weekend, stuff like that Um, But, yeah, I think think that and also that I miss my people. I just miss my people and I get a lot of my creativity and inspiration
0: from people and from travel and I really look forward to those things again. So where will be the first place you can travel to post-lockdown?
2: Oh, man, I mean, it'd be nice if Western Australia would let us in because I would love to get over there I've never been to Broome I want to go to Cable Beach I want to head up the top to some of those incredible lagoons um that's on my list for sure I mean I'd take Tassie a cold trip I'd take anywhere really I'm just yeah. I just want to go somewhere. I'd like to leave the 5k actually yes. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a holiday I know. I know I
1: mean yeah we'd love to get to Melbourne to see our friends and family as well yeah of course <laughs> And this, this wasn't on our list, but you've lived in Sydney, obviously, before you moved to Melbourne. You now you're back in Sydney. And not that this is a competition between the two cities, but what do you love about each? It's not a competition.
2: They're both wonderful. And aren't we lucky to have each of them within an hour of each other? I think that's exactly. really like, it's they're just different things. Um, I think Melbourne is, I feel like the emphasis on food and bars and, and comedy and, and night entertainment and um, culture is obviously very strong. And it's a beautiful creative environment there. Sydney, obviously, is the outdoors, is the star. And um, that's to be locked down with the ocean is, I mean, I can't complain. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and that's great to be by the sea again. I find it really invigorating. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you yeah. know. I think we, we already knew that I'm not spreading anything new, but you know, I love the creators. I think there's both in, in both towns and there's a lot of amazing food and, and um, small business happening in both of them that I look forward to finding and
0: helping. So when when we are out of lockdown, we're gonna come and see you in Sydney. Oh yes. Um, and we'll go for a, a nice sort of dinner in our Amelia Whitstead dresses. <laughs> drenched in go-to products in in costume jewellery
2: just wear sequins wear a
0: fascinator wear whatever you like wear a cloak Yeah, (laughs) head to toe glitz and glamour because we haven't been allowed to for so long (laughs) Yes, and we'll have someone
2: else make our cocktails and our dinner just for something new. Wouldn't that oh, be nice? And on plates that you don't own. Yes, in a, in a, yes. In a breakfast bar that's not yours. Yeah, that would be great. We eat at the same place every meal, you know, it'd be nice to, to try a cafe. Anyway, yeah. it's too I'm much. I shouldn't there. I shouldn't dream so big.
1: <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Zoe. It's always such a pleasure to speak to you. And I feel a bit ashamed because you're on your beautiful Amelia Wixted outfit and I tried to put on some colour today, but I'm literally wearing athleisure wear at the bottom
2: i love pink though please don't i'm very happy to be here and i've done media all day that's why i'm i'm dressed up because of that new product so it's not an even (laughs) playing field don't worry thank you so much my pleasure guys
0: thank you for listening to this episode of mecca talks if you liked what you heard follow us on your favorite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode with your friends.
1: To stay up to date on what's going on in the mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at MechaBeauty or join the conversation in our Mecha Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecha Talks. Thank you for joining us.